your neighbor and say, the Lord is good this morning. I appreciate uh, this opportunity to be here at follow Baptist Church. What a joy it is uh, this morning uh, to worship the Lord with you. And it's, uh, it's an amazing thing. You come to a place you've never been and in a building that you've never sat down in and people you've never met. But there's something very familiar about it. The Holy Spirit bears witness, and I'm glad to be a child of the Lord this morning. I pull up on the parking lot, and you can just sense and see the working of the Holy Spirit. And I appreciate what the Lord is doing at your church this morning. I appreciate your pastor and his family and the friendship that we've had. I've watched the church here uh, for several years at a distance, and I've seen how the Lord has grown it. And so what a, what a privilege it is today uh, to be with you on this Sunday morning. I want to invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter number 13 this morning. As you are turning there, I just want to say how much I enjoyed the singing and the choir and the specials and the fellowship, and uh, what a great day it is to be a child of the Lord. I, I want us to look at a passage of Scripture in John's Gospel, chapter number 13. And uh, we'll look at verses 1 through 5, and then we'll jump down to verse number 12. John's Gospel. If you're able, you can stand this morning. You've been sitting just for a little while. Give you an opportunity to stretch your legs, and then we'll ask the Lord to give His blessing on the reading of His Word this morning. The Bible says in verse number 1, Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that His hour was come, that he should part out of the world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing, that's the second time John has alluded to the fact Jesus knows exactly what's going on, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God, verse 4, he riseth from and laid his garments aside, and took a towel, and girded himself. And after that, he pours water, and it began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Let's look at verse number 12. And so after he washed their feet, and had taken his garments, and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? You call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant's not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. In verse number 17, in closing, if you know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. You may be seated this morning. I want you to look today at... Verse number 15, where the Bible says, For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. This morning, with the help of the Lord, I want to speak on this subject. Simply, don't throw in the towel. Don't throw in the towel. When you come to John chapter number 13 today, you realize that Christ is in the upper room with His disciples. It won't be very much longer until He's going to go to Golgotha's Hill and die. And in that upper room, it always amazes me when I read this passage of Scripture at the profound and deep truths that the Lord is going to declare to His disciples. The things that the Lord declares to His disciples will utterly change their lives. And it will take them all the rest of their lives to unfold them and to understand 
and everything that he said unto them. He spoke to them in the upper room about the glories of heaven, about the Father's house and the mansions and the rooms. He spoke to them about the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. He spoke to them about the work of the Holy Spirit, how the Spirit must come and testify of all that Christ has done. He's going to speak to them about the expectations of discipleship and the persecution of the church and the deep things of the faith, about the Father's love, about the triune nature of God. All these things he's going to declare to them in this upper room will utterly change their life. But I believe it's not just what he declares to them that will change their life. It is also what he demonstrates to them. That Christ is going to bow down before these disciples and astoundingly going to wash all of their feet. Showing us that the life of faith is not just what we say, but the life of faith is also what we do. Not just to be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word as well. And Christ amazingly is going to take a towel. He's going to gird himself and he is going to serve those disciples as a divine testimony that they ought to be found serving one another as well. It would not have amazed me if Christ in this text had borne the garments of a king because we know he's the king of ages, he's the king of kings, he's the king of glory, he's your king and he's my king. So it wouldn't have surprised me if he had the royal diadem upon his head with the robe of glory uh, draping from his head to his feet, but that's not the garment that Christ wears. It wouldn't have surprised me if he had worn the garments of a prophet uh, or a priest, or a judge, but yet Christ here takes the towel and demonstrates what true kingdom greatness is, and that's to serve one another. It's diakonos in the Greek, and Jesus is going to embody that here in the text this morning. I want us to look at it in these verses today. and In a generation that is throwing in the towel and giving up on so many things, Christ invites us to pick up the towel and to serve Him in these last days. Notice number one in our text, the position that He assumed with this towel. The position that He assumed. Look at verse number four this morning. The Bible just simply says, He riseth from supper. And I want you to get that today. I want you, if you will, just to allow the imagery there. I believe John's giving us a snapshot of the glory of Christ by telling us that he riseth from supper. Now, now we know he's not sitting at a table that maybe you and I would be sitting at today, but he's, he's on the ground. And in that Eastern culture, they would have pillows around this small table on the ground. And Christ, the Bible says, riseth up from supper. He's standing up. And everyone now is looking at that slender figure of the Nazarene. And as they're gazing upon the figure of Jesus Christ, I believe in my heart, as John says, he riseth from supper. Now there's no speculation as to who it is that's the greatest in the kingdom. James and John have been arguing about that. There have been some contention over this, that, and the other. Well, now everybody's looking at the Lord Jesus Christ. They see him, and he's rising up. He's above every man in the building. Uh, He's above every individual that's in that upper room. And I believe right there we have a snapshot of His divine glory. As Isaiah said, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the the Lord high and lifted up. And I just want to tell you on a Sunday morning, I want a few to say, Amen. Jesus is above all men. 
His name is above all names. His throne is above all thrones. And His glory is above all glories. And so here we see the exalted position of Christ. Uh, the Christ who is above all movements and all men and all agendas. Christ in His glory. He is rising up from supper. And I believe there's a serenity about the moment. I believe so much so that John, he sees that. And under divine inspiration, he puts this as an inspired commentary to want us to know that he's not just doing something here, but we see him rising up above John and above uh, uh, Peter and above Cephas and above Bartholomew. He is above all men. And, And I believe right then and there would have been a wonderful time to have broke out in a testimony service and glorified and worship Christ the way that we worship Christ this morning. It would have been good time for people to say how much they loved Him and exalted Him and praised Him. And by the way, can I tell you, He is worthy of our praise today. Uh, we can't sing too much about Him. We can't worship Him too much. You can't brag too much on Jesus. Can I get a witness this morning? He is above all men. But the unthinkable happens here in verse number 4. Because in that moment that he rises from supper, the Bible says that in that moment he laid aside his garments and he took a towel and he girded himself. Now Christ, in this exalted position, is going to assume the lowest position in all of Hebrew culture. It's amazing to me. When when he took off his garments, he would have had on this inner tunic Uh, which would have represented a Jewish bond slave in that day. And that would have been something that probably many households would have had to serve in the menial tasks of the day and of the family. But when he takes a towel, he is no longer assuming this picture of a Jewish bond slave. But wrapping himself in a towel, now he assumes the position of a Gentile servant. A Gentile servant. So I want you to get this. Christ, the exalted king of glory, now has abased himself to the lowest possible position in that day and in that time. And Christ says, I am not one who has come to be served. but Rather, I am one who has come to serve. I am among you, he says in another place, he that serveth. We find Christ doing that in His ministry, and it it seems to be embodied here in the upper room when Christ takes the towel. You know the the word servant, as Christ used it many times, is diakonos. It's where we get the word deacon, or literally one who serves. And it means this, one who walks through the dust. As I studied that out, one who walks walks through the dust, it it originates from the camel trading days when a master would go and buy a camel and take his lowly servant with him. Whenever he would buy and purchase the camel and walk back to his estate, the servant would hoist that master up on the camel and literally walk through the dust. His feet would become dirty so that the master's feet could become clean. He was to be a base so the master could be exalted. He was to walk so that the master could sit. And when Christ says, I am one among you who serves, he's literally saying, I am one who walks through the dust. Christ, the eternal king of glory, 
has now assumed this lowly position, walking through the dust to serve all of humanity. And I believe you'd agree with me this morning. I believe our homes and our marriages and our churches would be in a much better state spiritually if all of us could assume the position of the Lord Jesus Christ and become once again the servants of the Lord. I believe in this day and time we want many titles and we we strive for many accolades and we're looking for many pursuits, but there are not a lot of folks these days who are striving to be servants of the Lord. When I see him on that grand and glorious day, he's not going to say, well done, thou good and faithful pastor, or well done, thy good and faithful husband, or well done, thy good and faithful missionary, or well done, thy good and faithful CEO. I want to hear him say, I wonder about you, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And I believe that revival could start. I believe that homes could be mended. I believe that lives could be changed if we assume the position of the Lord Jesus Christ and said we want to be like our Savior and we want to serve the body of Christ. Christ here is assuming a position that most people don't want to assume in these days and time. We all like the concept of serving. We just don't like the one to be the one doing it. Here we find the position that he assumed. Number two in the text, there's not only the position that he assumed, But there are the people that he assisted. Now, this is where I think the the story becomes very radical in my mind. Because in verse number 4, he's assumed a position. But in verse number 5, he's assisting a people. He says, after that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Now, I think we put conditions on our service, don't we? We, we all say we will be servants and we'll, we're willing to be servants, but there's some conditions based upon who we will actually serve. I will only serve those who are worthy of my service. I will only serve those who are willing to serve me back. I'm only going to serve those who are good to me and my family. But Christ here washes the dirty, defiled feet of His disciples who... As John says, he knows all things. These disciples are soon to betray the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to think about this. As Christ bows down to assist these individuals, there in that congregation is Peter, who is not once or twice, but three times going to deny the Lord Jesus Christ. And there in the congregation is also Thomas, who's not just a doubter, a denier, rather, he's a doubter. He's going to question the very death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in that mix is James and John, who are dissenters. They're wrestling and grappling on who's going to be the greatest and who will sit by his side. And then among the congregation are those that will desert him and run away when he goes to Calvary's Hill. And then even in that room is Judas. So I want you to get this. Jesus is willing to serve imperfect people. And I wonder if you'd say amen right here. If we are going to take our towels and assist other people, on occasion we must be willing to assist people whose lives are not perfect. Taking your towel and serving the Lord at times is going to get messy. People are messy. People are sinners. People will and do us wrong on occasion. And we we romanticize, I think, sometimes and spiritualize this concept of foot washing. 
But I want to tell you, it's a menial, lowly, abased task, and it gets rather dirty. I'll never forget the first church that I pastored. Um, they had foot washing as part of their annual celebration. They had homecoming service, then they had dinner on the ground, and then they came back and had foot washing. I'm glad it was in that order. Somebody say amen. And uh, I, I, had been a, I had been around foot washing services before, but I had never participated in it. And I'm going to be honest with you, I, I was very uncomfortable with the whole thing. Uh, I don't like feet. I don't like my own feet. And I certainly couldn't get in my mind the idea of washing somebody else's feet. I was 24 years old, and, you know, it was just expected that I was going to be doing this. And so I, I, I remember washing some of those uh, deacons' feet. The church had been established in 1823. Some of those same deacons were still serving <laughs> when I came into that pastorate. And, and I didn't realize when I began washing their feet, and I know it's early this morning, our stomachs are kind of queasy. I didn't realize how high corn can grow <laughs> when I began washing their feet. I bowed down, and I'm really uncomfortable with the whole situation. And so... That evening, we dismissed. The men was over on this side. The women was on this side. And me and Heather was talking about it after the service. And this was our, our, our weekly ritual. We would stop at the Arby's right by the church. We lived an hour away, and we drove. And I'd stop by the Arby's. And I'm a beef and cheddar kind of guy. Can I get a witness this morning? And I like the double cheddar on my beef and cheddar. And so I'm, I'm driving down the road, and I'm eating that sandwich. And it slipped onto my th- I'm just licking it off. And, and Heather turns to me, and she said, Honey, did you wash your hands after foot washing service? I want to tell you something. Beef and cheddar looks one way going down, another way coming back up. And, and I got just so grossed out and just uncomfortable and just, just in my mind. It, listen, so we're, we're, we're talking about what Christ is doing here today. It's not just this spiritual thing. It's not just this thing that we've romanticized in our mind. But the holy hands of heaven have bowed down and washed the greedy, dirty, dusty feet of individuals who are going to deny him, betray him, do him wrong, and leave him all by himself at the cross of Calvary. So in my mind, I'm asking this question, and maybe you're asking it as well. Why in the world would he do such a thing? And John gives us the answer, having loved his own to the end. He loved them. Can I tell you the reason why we serve imperfect people? The reason why we're willing to get our towels dirty? The reason why we are willing to go the extra mile and turn the other cheek and carry our cross and pick up our towels in a day where everyone else is throwing it in is because Christ has constrained His love in our heart and we're supposed to love other people the way Christ has loved us. And notice what happens after this. The Bible says that Christ puts his garments back on and he sits at the table. And then he tells them this. Now I want you to do one to another the way that I've done unto you. Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, all right, now I've washed your feet and you wash mine. Because that would be the reciprocation, right, in our minds. 
Christ has washed their feet. Now they're supposed to wash Christ's feet. Why didn't that happen? Go to, I hope I get an amen. Christ didn't need his feet washed. Well, you say Mary washed his feet in John chapter number 12. No, she anointed his feet for burial. But Christ, I believe, gives us a picture here for the church of Jesus Christ. And get this, don't miss it. I believe the principle here is this. It's possible in the service of the Lord to wash someone else's feet and them not wash yours back, but wash it anyway. It's possible to love somebody in the house of God and them not love you back, but love them anyway. It's possible to give your life to other people and they not even give you the time of day, but give your life anyway. Because Christ is saying, this is agape love. This is the greatness of the kingdom. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men, being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. That every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He says, let that kind of mind be in you. And when you do that, you'll learn to love and assist people that may not love and assist you back. The people he assisted, the position that he assumed. And then you find in the text this, the promise that he ascribed. Now, I want you to miss this today. It says, so after he washed their feet, verse number 13, he says, you've called me your master. You say, well, I've given you this example to wash others' feet. And then he says, verily, verily, in verse 16, I say unto you, the servant's not greater than his Lord, neither he that sent greater than he that sent him. And I love this in conclusion. If you know these things, I want you to mark this word, happy are ye if you do them. Here's the promise that Christ gave to those who will pick up their towel and serve others. There is this promise of contentment, of happiness, of fullness of joy. It's amazing to me because I, I think we've got it backwards sometimes in our culture. We try to jockey ahead and get ahead of people to find joy. But Christ says if you want to be first in the kingdom, be last. If you want to find your life, lose your life. And if you want to be the greatest of all, you've got to learn to be the servant of all. And therein lies true kingdom joy. It's to serve one another. And I think this is missing in our day. I think this is missing in our homes, and our marriages. Because we're the ones that want to be served. And, and, and wrestling over, does my wife serve me or do I serve my wife? Do my children serve me? Do I serve them? Who's going to get ahead? Who's going to be at the top? Who's going to be the one being served? And all that, we miss out on joy. We miss out on, on happiness. And I believe in a culture that has, by and large, happiness missing from their lives. It's because somewhere along the line, service has become void. I was, I was preaching on a, a weekend service. I had gotten so discouraged. I had one of those miserable Monday morning in the ministries. And, and I remember going to the office that morning, and I closed the door. I, I called the secretary, and I said, listen, no phone calls today, no visits today. 
I just need to get in my office and sulk all by myself. We had some issues with our youth group. We had some uh, problems going on with that ministry. Just one of those days. And I, man, I felt sorry for myself. I wanted to throw in the towel. I felt like, man, if I come to the end of this thing. And uh, there was a knock on the door about an hour when I had gotten to the office. And this guy just kind of barged in. said, hey, Brother Kenny, how's your morning? And, and I said, well, you want me to be really honest? And I said, I, I don't know if I've got a whole lot of time today. What do you need? He says, oh, oh I, I just need to take about an hour of your time. I said, brother, I, I appreciate what you want. I, I just don't have an hour of, of time to give you today. Maybe you come back and No, brother Kenny, no. No, I, I've got to do something. He says, I've been up all night long. And I've been asking God, what can I do for the church? I know this guy's background. He's limited on some ministerial opportunities. Couldn't drive a church bus. He couldn't teach a class. He's not a singer. Doesn't play an instrument. He's not a preacher, a teacher, a deacon, or anything. He says, all night long, I've been really grappling with what can I do for my church? And he says, Brother Kenny, the Lord, about 3 o'clock, woke my heart up. And he says, this is what I want you to do. He said, I want you to go to church in the morning, and I want you to wash your pastor's feet. Now, at this point, he got spiritual. I was still carnal. Somebody say amen. Because if you didn't remember, I don't like feet and I don't do feet. Amen. And I'm like, Brother Dwayne, I appreciate that sentiment, but I'm, I'm telling you, you just caught me at a bad time. And maybe let's do this some other. No, no, brother. He was so just forceful about it. And so he, he almost just dragged me out into the hallway, and he had already had a chair set up and a basin of water and a couple of towels. And he sat me in that chair, and he began wiping and washing my feet. And he began weeping and praying, God, I want you to bless my pastor, and I want you to bless his children and his boys and his marriage and his home. And I don't know what he's got going on today, but God help him. God bless him. And I'm going to tell you something. I felt so convicted and so lowly and meek and humble. And he said, Amen. And I'm thinking, well, I'm glad that he had a good go at it. And as I was getting up intended to go back to my office, don't you know it? The Lord says, you're not done yet. You need to wash his feet. I'm going to tell you something. I got down on my knees. And that hesitant, carnal, indifferent, apathetic spirit that I came into the church with that morning Suddenly, as I began weeping, the Spirit of Christ flooded my soul, and I began thinking about my lovely Savior who washed the dirty feet of men with His holy hands, and all of a sudden, that, that miserable spirit that I had, suddenly, it's like Christ said, there was a joy that bellowed up in my heart. Happy, he says, if you know to do these things and you do them. And suddenly my day changed. My mind shifted. My heart was encouraged. And suddenly I realized today was not the day to throw in the towel. Today was not the day to give up on ministry. Today was not the day to grow indifferent with people and circumstances and individuals Oh, but Pastor Brother Kenny, take up the towel once again and realize that if our Savior could condescend to such an estate, who am I to assume a position that's greater than His? You see, we work from the wrong premise of ministry if we say we won't take a towel. Because if we do that, we say we're better than Christ. 
Who are we to say we won't serve our wives? Or the guy that cut us off on the road? Or the neighbor that cusses? Or our moms or our parents or our dads? Oh, but Christ from the glories of heaven is saying to His church, serve one another, love one another, come to one another, take up a towel, don't throw it in, and give your lives for the glory of Jesus Christ. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed this morning. I wonder if there's anybody in this AM service that would say, Preacher, there may be a circumstance in my life today that if I were honest... I've come to the point where I almost just felt like throwing in the proverbial towel. I felt like giving up. I felt like quitting. But when I think about Christ, that He came and died and served others, maybe today I could be encouraged to keep going for the cause of Christ. And maybe, maybe another way to give the invitation is this. I wonder if there's somebody in this church today that needs your service. They need that encouragement. You may not take a basin of water and a literal towel and wash their feet today. You follow Baptist Church. But it may be that you pray for them, encourage them with a hug, a handshake, a phone call, a text message. It may be you need to give them some money may be that their children are hurting and you know some circumstances in their life. I wonder if anybody here today would say, Lord, make me available to serve this body and not throw in the towel. Preacher, would you come and finish the invitation? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let's stand to our feet. This altar's open.